0: My name is Jack McLean, I'm the host, and the Get Better Plan is a concept I learned during my time at the Hawthorne Football Club. I work closely with the academy players, and I've been implementing similar methods to our Prepare Like a Pro athletes. I wanna share this concept with you, our podcast listener. So you might be thinking, how does the Get Better Plan work? Well, each month we review and reflect each athlete's development and work out what is the bottleneck of their physical development, i.e. what is the one thing that is really letting down them to play at their best potential week after week. From there, we pick one lifestyle focus, for example, getting to sleep by 10 p.m. five days a week, and a physical focus, for example, bringing max effort to the key lifts in their gym program. From there, each athlete joins me live every week at 5pm Sundays and I present on a certain topic. The athletes journal their learnings and implementations and reflect each week on what worked and what did for their get better plan. These presentations are recorded for the athletes that missed the presentation and I wanna share some of the content to you, our wider podcast community. If you're new to the podcast, every week I interview leaders in the AFL and high performance industries live on our YouTube channel. We drop an inspiring and educational podcast every Tuesday and Friday and on Sundays I host a live Instagram Q&A answering all questions that were sent to us via direct message or email through to us. So if you're struggling with increasing your muscle mass, lowering your 2K time trial or perhaps struggling with improving your 20 metre speed time, send through your questions to our Instagram or email us at jack at Let's get into today's episode.
1: And Welcome to this month's Get Better plan, all about load management, both how to use your objective processes in GPS and RA variability, but also for those that are working in a program where you don't have access to that technology. I'll go into some examples that I've used in the past around session RPE and, and wellness, so subjective measures that you can equally do a, a good job with. Ultimately, the uh, focus of any good load management sports science program is uh, ensuring our athletes are uh, in good health and available to play and and play at a good level so they're performing at their best or as close to their best as you as you can on a weekly basis bear with me i'm just going to let everyone log in and then we'll get cracking into the recording for those listening to the recording if you missed out on this live presentation as well as the q a at the end feel free to send in your questions on this topic in our discussion forum in the academy and i will Myself and any members, welcome then to engage in that discussion. Okay, let's get straight into it. So as I mentioned before, the goal of any good sports science program is to ultimately reduce the risk of injury, particularly around our soft tissue injuries. So your hamstring strains, groin injuries, and uh, calf strains, which are the, the three most prevalent in team sports that have require a lot of uh, high-intensity efforts, both in straight, linear fashion, but also in your lateral planes. So we want to make sure that we're building good resilience over pre-season, off-season training to ensure the athletes have capacity to be able to handle game loads and back-to-back ability to recover and, and perform back-to-back game demands. Here's a nice visual for ultimately what we're looking at. And it ultimately, the the clear focus is the, the optimal blue line where we're putting a stress on the body, which naturally will take some time for the body to adapt from that stress and improve. And then if you allow adequate recovery, the athlete over time is a better athlete. And That's from getting the program right, individualization, but also the art of coaching and being able to recognize when an athlete may be experiencing either they're recovered or at times, which is quite rare, they're, they're overtrained. Generally, in my experience, it's usually they're under recovered. So perhaps their sleep is off, they haven't been eating at their best, or maybe they've got some other stresses outside of their training. For those semi-professional athletes, or even professional athletes, where they've got they might be moving house, they've had issues at home, or there's any other form of stress. Maybe they run their own business and they've had some financial stress around that, and and that's impacting their ability to recover. So uh, ultimately, our objective measures do even when we have the gps and we have power availability we still need to take into account the subjective side of things and ensure that we're having conversations with our athletes but i thought this was just a good visual to start in terms of what is the clear focus of a sports science program and where what are we trying to achieve and then that is obviously the the optimal how can we get that athlete to be in the best shape they can be and, and obviously not all athletes are going to be the same you're going to have you guys that can run all day and handle volume uh, and they're aerobic beasts they can handle volume of work they've got huge work capacity from the years of training as well as how they're wired genetically and then you have other athlete that are more on the other end of the spectrum where their powerhouses fast twitch fibers dominant and they for them obviously if you overdo it from their work capacity point of view you're not going to get the best result out of them. So make sure that they're getting added recovery. And they might be mean that they're not doing the same amount of volume as the aerobic guys. But you notice if you do have GPS that their output is far higher because they have an extra gear of, of intensity. So yeah, we want to make sure we understand the athlete. If you don't have GPS, you still, you'll still have a fair idea when you do your strides, your run-throughs, and you condition the athletes of precision on what type of athlete you're dealing with. And therefore, when you're having your conversations and you're planning your training on the go in the actual session in your warm-ups, you're able to then make those calls and, and be well-informed to be able to look after that athlete and then look after who's in front of you. And sometimes you might lean towards, okay, I think this person's going to be okay. And then others you might need to protect. So you'll, you'll know, be able to, win, when do I stretch an athlete and, and push them along to ensure that you're getting good training loads out? And then at other times, when are you going to protect them and and that uh, will let them recover and, and save them for another day. We'll start with the GPS side of things. So we're, we're measuring the highest risk activity you know, in terms of their running loads using the GPS, which just ultimately measures their everything they do on the field from change direction work, the contacts that they get to so the collisions, uh, the jumps, the lands, all the deceleration work and acceleration work. And of course, your different speeds of running, so your total distance, your high-speed running and sprint distance. So I'll go into a a chart a little bit later on on how we break it down. I'm currently working at Casey Football Club. I won't show the players' names, of course. We'll keep that private, but just how we display their game modes. So you get a bit of an idea if you've not seen one before. And then to make that relative to the athlete, because not everyone's going to play the same time on ground, we work out their work rates in total distance, so their aerobic running and they're high-speed running. So we get an idea of, are they more an aerobic-based athlete or are they more anaerobic in the way that they played? And then you can see their player profile and how that changes with what position they play in the field, the ground size, the weather conditions, and all the other variables that, um, and how that impacts players' performance from a running point of view. And therefore, you're able to make – it's just good information to be able to make decisions on a you know, need to get more training load out of that player keep their conditioning chronic loads up, or do you need to actually take a bit out during the week to ensure they're not at a risk of of breaking down from injury? And that's where some of Tim Gabbett's work can be useful. You may not even be using acute to chronic ratio necessarily, but just having an idea of the philosophy of acute to chronic, which is basically just working out a rolling four-week average. So let's say a rolling four-week average for total distance is 20Ks for a player. And then because they ran an extra few Ks on the weekends, as well as they, their training during the week was a bit bigger, their training week for the week that's just passed might have been 30 Ks. So they've had a significant increase of 30% in that week, putting them at risk of injury. So then the following week, you want to continue in that trend. You might want to take a little bit of training out because you know they're in that risk risk time zone while their body's adapting to that current week. Because okay? as we know, soft tissue injuries don't necessarily happen in straight away when in the acute buildup, they can happen a week later or two weeks later even the same with stress fracture injuries and any any other type of injuries so we want to make sure that we're measuring these things if you do have your gps you get a fair idea of what a normal week is like in your season and and then if you're getting any major fluctuations outside of 10 percent of that then you're topping them up or reducing their loads in their training and also, in the off-season, preseason, you're able to prepare that athlete for how they play and what a typical week would look like. And ultimately, i always trying to get at least three match loads out throughout the preseason. So you, you know, actually, rather than just getting those loads out over four sessions, there's actually three dedicated sessions that are match load sessions, all in the one session to be able to handle them to transition to that practice match phase and ultimately into in-season mode. So this is what a game sheet will look like we've got total distance on the left corner Um, so that includes everything from walking and above Uh, so for most of the players they did 12 and a half k you will have your work rate so using that total distance and then the minutes they played you you can work out their work rate per minute so as we can see the average player covered 128 meters per minute that's where you can see how hard the players are working in it and any connections correlations that might have with team performance and that can be helpful if you've got live data as well while the game's going on if you if your work rate is down and you, and the coaches are finding that the, the pressure pressure acts are down and that can give them some good information for the coaches if they're going to try and motivate the players to, to work a little bit harder or, or give them some feedback on why they're not working as hard as they can in the past. Then you've got your high speed running in absolute values so 900 no, 13 metres was average for the group. So this is where we're moving in above 20 k per hour to accrue metres in this band. And then the same thing, you multiply that by the minutes to work out your work rate per minute in this band. So majority of the VFL players are at 9 metres in this speed zone per minute on on average. Then you've got your sprint distance. So it's above 25 k's per hour. So obviously depending on their match uh, so their max velocity for some that's not going to be a true sprint in fact majority of male footballers in this population 25 k's per hour is probably closer to 75 80 but this is what the research is technical term of sprint distance is 25.5 k so we've continued on that down that line and same with high speed running it's it's 19.8 k's per hour just to keep it consistent with the research, we've, we've mimicked that, and as you'll see, most athletes do around 100 minutes, hundred metres, and clearly due to the low absolute volume of, of sprint distance, we haven't worked out their work rate in sprint It's not really a work rate thing, it's more just something that is for us for an injury mitigation aspect. Um, it's not so much a performance measure, but it's more just to see what's the what's typical game load in terms of how, how many metres they'll do in this zone. Because as we know, the higher speed you're running at, the more the hamstrings take over and ultimately the more vulnerable the hamstrings are to breaking down. So we want to get a good idea of what absolute volumes they they cover in a game. And as you can see, there's a fair gap from someone doing only one probably effort of of, of 18 metres above 25 k's per hour, all the way up to 250 metres, where clearly they did a few efforts above this area, this speed zone. Then you've got your accelerations and decelerations. So this is where an athlete has moved uh, less than a second at 14Ks and above. So think things like if you're going from walking pace to suddenly moving in a fast pace. So your, your first three steps is a good example for an acceleration. And then deceleration is the same in the negative direction. So think like a shuttle movement pattern or if you've been hit hard in the in a bump or a tackle and that's put a lot of g-force through the body the gps will pick that up as also as a decel potentially a, a big landing from a big jump or a pack mark and get a deceleration So there anything where you know, there's a, a change a rapid change in speed in the negative direction will accrue as a decel and what you'll notice in training competitive games is typically accelerations will be one to two where in training where the competition isn't, isn't as high of course your accelerations will be in the other way. You'll usually get two times more accelerations to decelerations, and that's because there's not as much heavy body collisions and there's not as much rapid agility movement pattern.
0: Thank you so much for listening to the Prepare Like a Pro Get Better Plan playlist. If you enjoyed this episode and want access to the whole presentation, you can join our academy for as little as $5 per month. Click the link in our show notes or search for Prepare Like a Pro in the Patreon app I really appreciate your support. To recommend a guest for a future episode or to discuss advertising your brand on the Prepare Like a Pro platform, email me at jack at preparelikeapro.com. Thanks so much for tuning in.